guys and welcome to this week's episode of The Playful Psychologist. Today I wanted to chat to you a little bit about autism. Now although this is a topic I'm extremely passionate about, I haven't done much on the podcast related to autism so I just really wanted to do that today. And why I wanted to do this is because I think there are a lot of difficulties that people have, particularly in the education system, kind of understanding autism and what autism actually is. And so I just wanted to kind of delve into that a little bit more, not go through the whole criteria and everything, but just to talk about it a little bit more. So one of my favorite sayings is once you've met one person with autism, you've met one person with autism. Because each person may share similar characteristics and obviously they have the same diagnosis, but everyone on the spectrum is completely different. They're really, really different, actually. And even though autism is this like lifelong developmental condition that affects the way an individual relates to their environment and interacts with others and communicates and copes with sensory input, the main areas of difficulty in regards like social communication and restricted or repetitive behaviors and interests are quite different from person to person. And I guess that the word spectrum, when we're looking at autism spectrum disorders, kind of tends to imply that there is a range of difficulties that people living with autism may experience. So what I mean by that is different individuals have different levels of autism. So if we look back to 2013, when the DSM-5 was released, there were several changes made to the diagnosis of autism. So in the previous... uh, you know, criteria in the DSM-4, there were three separate names for autism. They were autistic disorder, Asperger's syndrome, and pervasive developmental delay not otherwise specified. But under the DSM-5, one diagnosis now covers all those bases, autism spectrum disorder. And under this new diagnosis, each individual is given a level of functioning from one to three. I'm not going to go into it today, but I actually don't think that three levels is enough to sufficiently cover the vast array of difficulties experienced by many people on the spectrum. But for the purposes of today, let's just say, you know, there are three levels. So what that means is really that the diagnosis of Asperger's syndrome no longer exists. And people who had previously been diagnosed with Asperger's would now be classified as part of the autism spectrum, more so level one, which is the highest level of functioning. So if you look at it simply, to put it really simply, level one is high functioning, level two is moderate functioning, and level three, I guess, is what we would call low functioning, although I don't like to refer to people as low functioning. I'm just trying to explain it in lay terms to what those three levels may mean. Now, what the problem is when it comes to autism and some of the, you know, things that are misunderstood by people on the spectrum is that in life and especially in school, we tend to follow this like one size fits all approach. So when we look at mainstream schooling, that definitely follows a one size fits all approach. But what if a child doesn't quite fit that model? The unfortunate thing is children are then often squished into a model that doesn't work for them. So I like to use the analogy of a, of a puzzle. So if you think of um, a puzzle, you're given a picture of what you're meant to make. You're given a picture already of what you've been asked to achieve. And most of the pieces are really easy to fit in. But you have a piece sometimes that sort of fits. It's not quite right, though. And you squish it into place and you've made it fit, but you know it's not the best piece for that hole. And that's kind of what it's like trying to make 
autistic children fit into a pre-existing generic education model. So just to, you know, break it down a bit more, some of the things that children with autism may require but don't necessarily have access to in mainstream school include movement breaks, climbing breaks, downtime with dim lighting in a quiet room, additional um, instructions, additional support from teachers, work being broken down into smaller tasks and adjusted curriculum, one-on-one explanations of the task at hand, support during break times to help them initiate and maintain social interactions, scaffolding during unstructured classroom or playground times, and presentation of instructions in different ways, so presenting them you know, perhaps visually as well as uh, verbally. Now, I know what you're thinking, that seems like a lot of extra support. And if you haven't tried to raise a family member with autism in our current education system, you're probably thinking, well, maybe those kids need a special school. And you know what? I'll be the first to put my hand up and say that some children with autism may in fact benefit from a specialized learning environment. They will. Some do. Not all, but some. However, let me just break this down to you and highlight the problem. Most special schools require a child to have an intellectual disability, and this means that their IQ needs to be below 70. But most children on the autism spectrum have an IQ well above 70. And there's the problem. They don't belong in specialized schools, but the mainstream schooling system is not well equipped enough to foster their learning. So now what? (laughs) Now, what do you do? You know, it's a catch 22. And I just want to reiterate that I haven't kind of um, brought this all up to have a big dig at our teachers or our education system because they're absolutely incredible. And I'm in awe of the work they do and they're trying their hardest. But teachers in our current system, um, unless they go out and further educate themselves, they don't have a, a good enough idea of autism and how to help kids with autism. And I can't reiterate enough that just because you've had a few kids in your class with autism, autism doesn't mean that you know um, what you're doing or how to help the next child because every child is so different. And I feel for teachers, I really do, because how can they be expected to know what to do if they were never given the opportunity to learn what to do? Again, it's yet another catch-22. And I think we have this belief that children with autism are always in the classroom really, really loud and always present with behavior difficulties. Um, And most teachers, I, I guarantee you, will say, oh, I can spot the child with autism as soon as they enter the room. But another common misconception and another way that children with autism misunderstood at school is that many children who attend in mainstream class that are autistic tend to struggle in silence. And what I mean by that is they fly under the radar. They don't exhibit the big behavioral outbursts that we've grown to associate with autism. They remain quiet, reserved and well-behaved. And as a result, teachers kind of view these students as being well-adjusted and able to cope and manage with their work in the classroom. But what teachers don't see is that the minute these children return to the safety of their home, or for some it can actually even occur in the car, they don't make it home, they have a complete meltdown. And all day they felt overwhelmed, they felt overstimulated and they've managed to keep it all together while at school. But the second they leave and they feel a tiny bit more safe, they just can't keep it in anymore. The meltdown is long, it's big, it's exhausting, and this all happens before you've even had a chance to go home, have a bath, have dinner, do your homework, which can, all those things can actually exacerbate the meltdown even more. 
And I think the most unfortunate thing about that situation is a lot of parents who approach a school about these sorts of issues and try and help get the school on board are met with the same response. Oh, but so-and-so is so well-behaved at school. We don't have um, these problems. Nothing seems to be bothering him here. We don't have meltdowns. It must be something that's happening at home. And I really, really, really implore teachers and schools to understand that this is not necessarily true. What's more likely happening is that it's a series of small things that are continuously occurring throughout the day that are sending the child over the edge and to breaking point and they may not feel comfortable approaching a teacher so instead they wait till they're at home with a parent or other safe person to just let it all out and even though the behavior is occurring at home the problem is occurring at school so let me say that again even though the behavior is occurring at home the problem is occurring at school So it is really important in these situations for schools to work with parents to help think of possible solutions rather than just simply telling parents that this isn't the problem of the school because the behavior, they're not witnessing the behavior on school property. Educating children with autism is a huge team effort. It's really collaborative. There's no home versus school. It's a total collaboration and we all need to work together. And I think a lot of the time, it can cut like parents can be misunderstood and come across as hostile uh, towards a school, but it's just this like fierce protective um, power that they have. And they just want to protect their kids so badly that they're often unfortunately misunderstood. So, that's, I really wanted to re- reiterate that. And if we're talking about school and common misconceptions and being misunderstood, I think there is also a common misconception that children with autism don't want friends. And my God, I cannot emphasize enough how untrue this is. So children with autism crave social interaction. But the tricky thing is um, at lunchtime, when most kids are really excited to like let their energy out and interact with their peers, children with autism are quite overwhelmed. Um, They are overwhelmed with noise, with options, with too many choices. And on top of all of that, before they're even allowed to try and play, they're told to sit down and eat, which is, you know, a whole sensory experience in itself for these kids. So when it finally comes time to play, children with autism are already a little bit agitated and overloaded, and they really struggle to initiate play appropriately and instead may push another child take a ball away from a group of kids or rip a hat off someone's head or even scream and consequently they're then taken away from the playground and punished so not only do they not have the opportunity to practice any social skills but they're now even more irritable as a result of getting into trouble then after lunch they have to re-enter the classroom and it's just a really extremely confusing and inconsistent pattern for these poor kids they just have no idea how to predict anything that's happening in their environment because they feel like they have no control over what's going on and perhaps the most difficult part is that as a result of feeling so overwhelmed and confused autistic kids in the classroom may engage in some challenging behaviors and then they're labeled by their peers as like the naughty kid and peers tend to then steer clear of the naughty kid which makes it even harder for them to make friends so in these situations um you know it's a bit of a never-ending cycle and it can be really disheartening so I just really wanted to spend some time today talking about some of those misconceptions on autism. And if you would like to learn more about autism, if you're a teacher, a support worker, a parent, a therapist, anyone, I've created an online course on this topic. So this course on autism was just born out of a desire to fill a hole in our current curriculum because so many therapists, teachers, parents, support workers, and so on have told me that 
their studies lacked education on autism and they didn't know where to turn to for more information. So that's why I created this. So you've got five workshops. Workshop one is an introduction to autism. Workshop two is how an autism diagnosis can impact the other family members with a specific emphasis on siblings. Workshop three is how to approach and manage interactions with your child's school. So that one includes information on how to choose the best school for your child, where the education system may be struggling in terms of autism, how inclusive strategies often turn into exclusion. And you'll also hear perspectives of an education student, a teacher and a mother of a child with autism. So that one's pretty cool. Then workshop four is about therapeutic options for autism. And then workshop five is purely on autism and adulthood. And I think that's where this workshop tends to differ from others because a lot don't only focus on children and they don't focus on adults. So I really made a conscious effort to include a lot of information on adults and autism. So if you look at the episode notes for this podcast, you'll see a link where you can sign up for like a free introductory video and download the course guide, which just outlines the learning objectives um, and gives you a bit more of an understanding of the type of content that will be included in the course. I'm really proud of the content that I've included in this course. Um, I'm really passionate about educating people on this topic. So I would love for you to enroll. Like I said, the, the introduction is totally free, so you don't have to pay for it. And if you require a payment plan, just let me know. Send me an email um, at theplayfulpsychologist at gmail.com or send me a DM on Instagram at theplayfulpsychologist. And I'm definitely more than happy to work out a bit of a payment plan for you guys because this is all about educating people um, and making it as accessible as possible to the community. Anyways, guys, I hope that was helpful and that you learned a little something about autism and misconceptions that may arise around autism. Um, But yep, I'll chat to you guys next week. Thanks so much for listening. See you later.